Hi, this is Margaret Cho. You're listening to the Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Well, we had a wonderful time in Sydney. We went to go see our friends Tegan and Sarah. Wasn't that amazing? It was fun, fantastic. Yeah, it was so incredible. And um, you know, the show at the Sydney Opera House was just—it was just phenomenal. And then afterwards, we got to sit down with them and have a nice chat. So here it is. We're so excited because we're here with Tegan and Sarah, who just played an amazing show at the <laughs> Sydney Opera House, which. I mean, I think it's so great because we're just seeing like these young queers out for the first time at like their parents' venue. Yeah, <laughs> that's really true. We we used to always have this funny thing with um, we used to do a lot of college campuses. We used to always say it was sort of like um, gay prom, like yeah, at our shows. Totally. You know, like we would see these kids that would like be super psyched to come out to a show, and they were young, and they would sort of dress up, and they would be sort of like dressing in all their like craziest outfits and that sort of thing. And I guess you, I guess we've seen that really, really take off with people like Lady Gaga. And I guess yeah. our audience is a little bit more like buttoned up, probably like us, more representative of how we're a little bit more like buttoned up as people. But it, it, it totally, you're totally dead <laughs> on. Like tonight, it's like. Like, lots of cool queer kids and everything yeah. at the really fancy venue. They feel important. You yeah. know, they feel like adult and they feel like they matter for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. for a lot of these kids, like, they actually matter. Like, they, they're like, yeah. oh my God, we're in the world and, like, something is here for us yeah. in this, like, historic venue yeah. that is so, you know, so much about the establishment. And mm-hmm. when I played here, I just felt so, I, I was, I felt so excited that these kids got a chance to, like, you know, be here. Of course, my, my audience is a little bit older than yours, too. You know, there's some of the same crossover, but, you know, my, I'm like your, your um, parents' audience. No. No. You're like, you're like the, the child that was planned and we're like the children that were the accident. No. <laughs> like, we're like the, no, it's, no, it's really nice. It's, I mean, it's really neat. As an artist, I'm sure you've experienced this, too, where you get to come to a city over and over again and play a variety of venues. That's a big thing for Sarah and I. We, yeah. we typically would prefer to try a new venue. I don't care if it's the exact same capacity. It's Mm -hmm. just about each time we come to a city experiencing a different setting. You know, it it changes the music. You can come and play the exact same songs, but it'll really affect how the show goes or how the set list is created. And Mm -hmm. a night like tonight, we've been playing that set for a month now straight, but every night we were playing it at a huge festival or Mm -hmm. in a rock club. Yeah. So to come here and play it, it had a completely different energy. You know, the set was a little bit longer because we talked more and we told stories. Which I love. We were able to interact with the audience more. Yeah. Um, And that's totally how we built our audience was Mm -hmm. through this idea that you could come to a Tegan and Sarah show and actually... It, it was different every single time. You could see us yeah. more than once on a record cycle, but never would the show be would be the same. Like it was always going to be different. And uh, tonight was really special because of that. You know. Yeah. It was really different. Also, to this album is so rock. You know, it's so dancey. It's so rock and roll. It's so energetic. Mm-hmm. And you know, it is. It's still emotional. Like all of your music is super emotional. But this one has got like such a fire that is so like it's lively it's lively I mean it's really perfect for anything I mean it's perfect for anything like the rock like sort of like the rock festival experience but I love that I got to see it here just so exciting too and and we were like you know we were just rocking out it was so Mm -hmm. cute (laughs) all the people is it, isn't it great to see somebody in a kangaroo suit dancing about? <laughs> I was so sad because I was, I was like the only one of the whole band who missed it. 
You know, I, didn't st- I did not see this it. This is like it was right on your side. Yeah, too. I t- tend to try not make too much eye contact with the people right in front of me just in case they feel as awkward here's as I what, do. Here's what I'm interested about because this is like the second person I've seen dressed up in an animal outfit in like less than 14 hours. So I'm like, is this like a really common thing? People like like to dress up as like the sort of the indigenous animals of the of the country? That might be the new movement. Maybe it is. I, I don't so. know. He's from so. Australia, so he oh, might cool. have yeah. shed, shed, shed some light. Shed some light. Where it, well, where we're just we're just proud of the animals we have, and sure we'd like enough, any chance to dress up as them. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I think that that's that's t- we're like really into Canadian um, animals too. Wait, so. what are Canadian animals? Like that? like beaver. Well, the beavers oh, really? obviously there's like there's lots that's of beavers. Money. There's beavers and and moose. like moose and deer. Oh, I forgot about moose. Yeah, but the but wait, is it a beaver on your money? Yeah, like yeah, on our nickels and. Yeah. You know, like it's like the beaver. I don't know because there's like beavers in other places. I mean, I've been in upstate New York and seen beaver dams. I don't know why we took so much pride in these beavers. Right. But that's like every time someone the goose, says, the "Oh, you're from Canada," they're like, "Canada geese." They're like, beaver. "Oh, oh you know, yeah. uh, maple syrup and bacon." And I'm like, "Doesn't everyone have maple syrup and bacon?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it originated in Canada. It doesn't have to be Canadian. But no. then I think Australia also wants to claim Tegan and Sarah as their own because <laughs> they love you. I mean, they love you all over the world, but here it's a big contrast. <laughs> <laughs> they love you. I mean, it's yeah. like they really. I think they want to claim you. Yeah. You know, they can have us. You know, what's really interesting too is we were we were talking about this before our show. I think it was our second or third time coming over to Australia. This was would have been about two thousand three, two thousand four, and we were actually here in support of another artist, an Australian band, and we were just like the opener and you know whatever. And we actually they they ended up canceling the tour because of illness. And we were over here. We actually had our mom with us, and we had spent our own money. We didn't have a lot of label support. We were really panicked, you know, like that we were gonna have to like just eat the cost of the tour and go home. Sell Sarah. And, and so we were, oh, no. it was so, it was so crazy. So you know it's one. That was kind of one of the ways, like that tour, going out and like sort of talking to the crowds and saying like, please stay, like, you know, the band that you came to see isn't going to play tonight, but like we, we're going to play. So stay and watch our band. And we ended up doing a lot of press around, okay, the tour has been canceled, but you guys are going to carry on and do this tour. And it's sort of like, I think it ended up engendering kind of feelings of ownership over the people who stayed and discovered us and decided that they wanted to support this band. And it created this really interesting narrative in the press that we, I don't think that we had like found the right footing with them yet. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we had this kind of like this story, like, oh, well, we're over here and we're going to play the shows no matter what. And we ended up playing, you know, to sometimes half empty rooms, but we ended up getting that audience to stay and playing for them. And they've stuck with us and they've like repaid us. Like we've, you know, we sort of like have repaid this thing back and forth with them where like we needed them. So we like play our butts off and come here at least twice an album cycle, which I think is a lot for a Canadian band. And we really, really like love their, love them and want to support them. And they support us every album now. So it's amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. And this last album is so incredible. You're sweet. Thank you. I love it so much. Well, I love all of your music, but it's so great to see like, you know, an album is really like a child, Mm -hmm. you know, it has its own personality and its own kind of like direction in life and stuff. And I feel like it's just getting started. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like your big, big baby. Like I can't wait for it to be a teenager. A huge baby. <laughs> a huge baby. That's yeah, cool. I mean, there was, you know, a few months of nervousness when we started debuting the new songs. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, there was our fan base is very vocal, and yeah. I was... We, we definitely talked a lot behind the scenes about if the fan base was going to accept and, and get past the production, because I think that yeah. these are our best songs that we've ever written, and I think the more people listen to this record, the more these songs are going to ingrain themselves in these people. And I think yeah. that... 
I think we're giving, I, I think the con is our most loved record, but I think mm. we're going to give the con a run for its money because yeah. I truly believe based on the performances of these songs live that we're going to reflect a whole new level of intimacy and intensity right. with our audience. So, so it's really exciting because it is a record that will evolve. I truly believe yeah. it is a record that will over its life cycle, which will probably be two years, you mm. know, of touring will probably really grow and change in mm. the, in the minds of fans. I hope anyway, because it's it's a it's an exciting record to play and and to yeah. and to awesome. give to the people. So, you know, did you guys make it in? Um, did you where, where did you make it? Did you make it in Brian Adams Studio? Los, we actually made it in Los Angeles in a couple of different studios, but mostly with this guy Greg Kirsten, amazing mm-hmm. producer, mm-hmm. Um, who you know works with like all the big female pop stars mostly. Like I mean, we know him from working with like Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. and Kesha and Pink, and mm-hmm. I just saw that he's he, he and Zia wrote a song for Beyonce's new record. Mm-hmm. So. We knew him as like kind of like a big pop pop guy, but then he also had made like the Shins record, and yeah. um, he had been like a like an amazing sort of like avant garde almost like um, keyboard bass guy in New York back in the like '90s in the late '80s. So I thought that he was like a really he was kind of like hip, but then he was also like a masterful pop producer kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. And we had so much fun with him. And he just like has this like amazing studio in his basement in oh, that's great. his house. Um, when I say basement, you're thinking it's like misleading. It's misleading. It's sort of like <laughs> it's like a mansion's basement. You know, it's yeah. like it's like you go down and you're like, what do I who do I have to kill or sleep with to get this basement <laughs> recording studio? <laughs> and he just has a uh, he has like these great dogs and this wonderful family. And he's just got like this really wholesome and and sort of. Um, I don't know, like, str- lovely like disciplined lifestyle. Yeah. Like he 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 works from ten till five. Like mm-hmm. like there's no partying. Apparently no you can. I just he has he does. Okay, I know for certain people different people times. Yeah. yeah, he'll. I mean, if you're Beyonce, I'm sure he's like, oh, I'm sure I'll work two a.m. <laughs> to six a.m. I mean, it's not gonna be like Beyonce, please cool it, you know. But with Tegan and Sarah, it was very disciplined, structured, like mm-hmm. ten to five. It was a really interesting work experience. Probably not everyone's cup of tea, but for us, we're like we're sort of like masochistic. Virgo Canadian so we were like oh yes 10 to 5 perfect and you know we yeah. would just come in work and then go home and go to bed early and that's yeah. perfect it was wonderful that's really great yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting really do you feel like I have a question for you is that yes. okay to ask is yes, that protocol is that allowed yes so I was thinking it while Tegan was talking about you know the this album for us is like a totally like a departure like a crazy departure mm-hmm. in terms of like you know we <laughs> like we have to warm up it's almost like we were just like we were like running for our lives all of our career and now we're like really training for the marathon like I feel Mm. like we're really we have to like we have to like use our muscles and our brains in a totally different way like what do you think the equivalent is in what you do um maybe it's kind of like if you're like going you're you know doing comedy and then you decide to do like a movie right and then that's kind of like the similar thing like you just sort of change um maybe you kind of change the uh the clothing of what you're doing, but really you're kind of doing the same thing. You're right. still an entertainer, but mm-hmm. you decide to sort of maybe, um, or for me, maybe it's like working on somebody else's project for a while or working like a, on a television show as an actor. So it's that, it's that thing where you're pretty much, you're, you're using the same shell, right. but you're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. So right. that's the, I think the closest way that I, what do you think? Well, and plus you've done music too, which is well, yeah. a huge stretch. Well, oh, that's a huge. What's the that's most the challenging? Hardest. The music. Oh, thing. the music is the hardest because yeah. um, I think music for me, it's really like I I have to use my body as an instrument. Mm-hmm. When you're a singer, mm-hmm. that's a huge because for comedians, you know, our bodies are kind of mm, we don't really care. Right. <laughs> it doesn't really have to sound good, but with singing, it, it has to totally sound right. a certain way. Yeah. 
you know, and, and you have to, uh, you know, bring yourself up to that. And, 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 you know, that to me is very challenging, Yeah. you know, and it's a totally, it's a different thing. And then you think, oh, is my audience going to accept this? But, you know, like in the song that we did, there was a lot of humor in it. Mm-hmm. So it's not even really that much of a stretch, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just kind of another you, way to you frame bridge, it. You bridged the two worlds. I think so. Yeah. I have another question. Yes. Okay. So for us, like we do a lot of our writing you know, independent of one another. And then there's like a demo process, which is still very, fairly solitary. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you send the song out and a lot, by the time, basically what I'm gonna tr- what I'm trying to say is, by the time people finally hear the song and there's an actual physical exchange between you and the listener, it's been like sometimes a year. Like, right. so I'm right. wondering about what you do. Like, do you feel like you need that, that feedback from an audience way sooner? Like, or can you, can you leave something and sort of like let it work on it know? for a year? Oh yeah. yeah, well for me, it's a way less of a, of a collective decision Mm -hmm. I mean there are things like you know we've been writing a lot on this trip you know different jokes specific to Australia especially about gay marriage and trying to get it passed here and also you know there's these things like there's like laws here like um in Queensland, which I think you're going to, yeah, Brisbane, um, yeah. in Brisbane, the um, age of consent is 16 but the age of anal sex consent is 18 Right. Ooh. So it's just a a, a built-in like homophobic that's not thing. So, yeah. you know, we have like kind of a mission behind it. So I'm like I'm trying to write jokes about like how's my asshole going to tell the difference of 2 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, is there a bouncer right outside my asshole? But these are like collective <laughs> decisions that we're making that are really about that, that joke can't wait a year. Yeah, like your process. It has to be straight out there. We won't have time. Yeah. But you know, it's so for me I think and for Jim, you know, we're like here and it's more immediate. Yeah. yeah. So, but for a song, um, the lifespan <laughs> of a song is actually probably much longer, I think, than an asshole joke. What do you think? <laughs> you know what? It depends. You know, it depends. You're right. If it's a good asshole. You know, it, it, some assholes are eternal, though. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Some assholes asshole. are forever. Yeah. yeah, for real. But I mean, I think that, like, with a song, because you're working with a band, because you're working with each other, yeah. and you guys are so different yeah. from each other, too. So it's an interesting idea for me, knowing you personally both, that you're also a songwriting duo. Yeah. yeah. Because that you have, you have such different, even like voices and different attitudes and approaches to music mm-hmm. and approaches to songwriting so it's amazing that like I can see all the parts coming together and that's why your songs are so beautiful because you really pull together such different worlds mm-hmm. right you know and I think that's one of the remarkable things about you guys is that you are twins but you're so different yeah it's, it's really true <laughs> yeah no and I was thinking about it like I'm reading this book right now about running and you know and the 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 author is talking about like you know like just all the different ways you can run and how that will change your physique like as you're running you know like it can like the way you run will just change certain parts of your body and I was thinking about how Tegan and I you know our spirit or whatever it is that fills our bodies and makes us walk a certain way or talk a certain way or whatever like that has completely um we we started off with the same goods if you will you know like all the same sort of genetic options but Mm. maybe because of the way that Tegan is or the her 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 spirit or her character or whatever she made different decisions and so she is so different from me and like she just decided even though we have all the same sort of like mechanics she decided to sing in such a different way and like Mm. I find that really um sort of mysterious and wonderful you know um as we become better songwriters and better singers and we understand our craft better, I can really appreciate, wow, like, Tegan has the same vocal cord. In theory, like, mm-hmm. she, I mean, you know, she she should have the exact same voice as me, and yet she 
fills her, you know, her body in, with air in a completely different way and releases that air and has a completely different sound than I do. Yeah. And like, and that's like, you know, like as when I was younger, I wouldn't have even cared about that or thought about that. And now that seems really special. And I think it really does have so much to do with like how our lives, you know, have been different and how we've carried ourselves through them. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really remarkable. It, it is kind of neat. It's beautiful. And it's beautiful in the way that it, it expressed, the expression of it comes out in your music. Mm-hmm. your individuality and it coming together in a band yeah, right. I mean it's so profound mm-hmm. you know it's really beautiful well and that we can continue to grow not apart in the sense that like we have less to do with each other because in fact we have more to do with each other than ever but that we can grow and become such remarkably different people and yet we still can collaborate and harmonize with one another and, and actually like, weirdly making probably more cohesive records yeah now. exactly the more like, different we are we've actually probably been able to come together and make yeah. well the two pieces instead of shoving two of the same things together all the time and trying to make it seem like two things it was it is that was, gay sex what you're doing i don't know it's like <laughs> i mean it's like <laughs> i feel like you know when you're when we graduated high school and we were like in this band all of a sudden and traveling around the world and t-shirts with our names on it and it's just the two of us and we struggled we butt heads so much we were mm-hmm. it was such a difficult time because everyone saw us as a duo everyone just saw us as this this partnership this we were not we didn't have that time everyone graduates high school and they go to college they become their own person they get to explore their their you know new side without their family and living in their home and whatever all that and we didn't get to do that we were immediately in the back seat of a car you know traveling around the world but over the last 14 years we've continued to create these separate lives and personalities and I think it's allowed us to take these two different pieces and now put them together to make something really great you know and I think that's why our records continue to evolve and change not just because we want to make millions of dollars Right. Are you making millions of dollars? Yeah, you're making millions, right? Oh my yeah. <laughs> doll hairs. Doll hairs. Doll hairs. Yeah. Doll hairs. Millions of doll hairs. <laughs> yeah. Doll hairs. Yeah. Because that's what you've been making. That's what the accountant is paying me in is doll hairs. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. doll hairs. Sacks. Sacks of doll hairs everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really like the story that you told tonight about that saying goodbye to your teddy bears. Good night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a very, we had a complicated childhood, not compared to a lot of people, but certainly compared to some. Like mm-hmm. our parents were very young when they married and they uh, separated when we were four. And we were quite enamored with my dad. And, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, he had a rough childhood growing up. And so he, he loved us so much and wanted to give us everything. So when he left, it was really difficult. And Sarah and I acted out in really strange ways. Like my parents would wake up and we would be organizing everything in our rooms, like in the middle of the night. They were like, okay, enough with the OCD. Um, We were really afraid of fire. So we would tie all of our stuffed animals together so that if we had to leave quickly, like we could just take all of them at the same time. We were obviously very worried about things. Just a pass, you could just grab. Yeah, you just grab one and then all of them would be tied together. Like we always put everything in the car in a (gasps) seatbelt. You know, like really weird, weird, funny little ticks, but... Yes, tonight I revealed on stage yet another of them. I'm sure fans out there are collecting all these crazy ticks of, of ours and strange memories from childhood that come out randomly. I haven't thought of this in the longest time, but I used to, we had uh, wallpaper in our bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I had the same wallpaper, and it was a half wallpaper. This was very popular in the 80s where you had like mm-hmm. half the wall was wallpapered with a border, oh, right. and then the top part of the wall was just white. And so, yeah. but my wallpaper around my. <laughs> that was called Poor People's Wallpaper. Yeah, <laughs> 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 they're, 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 Do you want to go all the way to the top? They're like half the square footage if we just do half the Sure, sure, sure. They bought yeah. one room's worth of wallpaper and split it between <laughs> <three>. <laughs> So, But the wallpaper was this assortment. 
assortment of teddy bears all wearing animal costumes, or at least that's my re- oh. that's my recollection of it, but teddy yeah. bears of sorts. But anyway, but every night when I would go to bed, you know, we would say goodnight, and I would lay in bed, and in the sort of, like, half-lit room, I would have to say goodbye, like, make visual eye contact with each bear. There was probably a couple hundred of them and say goodnight. And if I thought I'd skipped one, I'd have to go back to the beginning, but I was nuts. Commenting on stage that as I got older, I loosened up a bit and I would just say goodnight to bunches of them. Like, I'd be like, left side, goodnight, right side, goodnight, this left side. It's like goodnight. lazy OCD. Yeah, I got, I, well, you know, I, got, I really got over it. But Sarah was saying that she never said goodnight to any of her stuffed animals no. on the on the wallpaper and that they were probably a bit more well-adjusted. But um, <laughs> it's nice. It's really nice to be able to reveal that to a couple thousand people. Mm. Well, you, you know, know, and it also re- reveals a lot about who you are as people. Sure. I think like, it gives the it gives a whole different level to the music, which but, yeah, you know, which is why we probably yeah. love to tell stories, which is probably why we we have always related well to people who are comedians and storytellers, yeah, because yeah. ultimately, I suppose, at the core of everything we do is a story, and and we feel compelled to give so much information about ourselves, even right. though the, story, the songs probably speak no, well enough. They speak volumes but, too. But I feel like it's a compulsion. I'd rather cut songs out of the set than <laughs> and, than, talk, more. and talk more. Do but you? It, well, it really it connects. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. no, no but God, it, it almost looks so rehearsed because your timing right. was fantastic, but oh, you've yeah. never done that. But it was brilliant no. the way you jumped in and said, I never, I never had bothered talking right. to him. Sometimes she gets going on these things and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's you know, It's like it I have to play this It was brilliant. And that is the shtick. It's not rehearsed. Rehearsed, but I guess that's it's, the shtick is yeah. 32 years now of, of watching the other one live through certain experiences. It's like when Sarah relates an experience on stage, I'm the first person to jump in on a mic and say, you know, whatever. Well, our, gra- our grandparents used to do that too. Like, I think we learned that straight man routine from them. My, my grandfather, <laughs> my grandfather was like, is he's still alive, but he's like really extroverted and he tells these like really ridiculous stories and they always are different. They sort of like have some of the same elements, but they, they always evolve. they change. And uh, and my grandmother was a straight man. She just Ooh. would sit and listen and and then she would always add her little you know, she would always at the end of the story get the biggest <laughs> laugh, whatever right. she would say. So I think we learned that and now it is. It's like I, I we don't rehearse these things and I had no I couldn't believe that Tegan pulled that out tonight. I mean I uh-huh. couldn't I had never thought of that story. Yeah. But it, it it's true, it's like the hook is still the same where I think to myself, Oh, there must be some way that I can elevate this to be a funny Ooh. you know, and it's just it's natural. But I was gonna say, do you ever feel like you go too far on stage? Like what do you what is do you ever feel that or do you ever feel like you've done that? Or? No, I do. I feel that usually it's better if I feel that. I like yeah. to feel that. I mean, I'd rather feel that than not going far enough mm-hmm. or feeling like I have something left behind. Don't, don't, don't you think that's better? Like to just go as far as you can? Well, especially you. you, you, you well, you've got people that love, that's what they've come to see Margaret for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've come yeah. to, to go, well, maybe a few might be a bit hesitant, like let me out here and come pick <laughs> yeah. me up on the way back. <laughs> but especially down here, you've really pushed it, you know, and it's, Margaret's been what we've been here for a week and a half and you've developed a whole sort of Australian set of material based on on stuff you know sort of kicking off from the New Zealand gay marriage passing over there but humorous takes on it but then you've done the research and then you know but you've really pushed it this, I think this, pushing this, it is this tour here, and it's very unique to here because you can't just take all of these jokes back to the states and like right. here's the stuff we were doing last week in in Australia. Although some of it will travel, but I think so. But I think that makes it even more personal. But you, you I, you're not one who shies away from going. <laughs> even further well it's better further. I think too like I was really disappointed because I came to Melbourne and I've been dating this woman for like 
three years, but she's like, we've only seen each other like two or three times, like oh, wow. still lesbian. Yeah. And like, she that's, like, that's taking long distance to a new level. I know, it's so hideous. It's like, that's like sort of like a built-in thing. Like if you're a lesbian, you have to like get in a long distance relationship. I, it's true. It, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it's horrible. It's because they're like a seriously codependent in the city relationship or just a seriously codependent long distance relationship. Seriously codependent long distance so much that we hadn't seen each other for eight months and then she canceled on me the first night I was there. Jeez. And I was so mad. I, and so that would upset me. <laughs> I took that as like a depart, like I jumped off with that and like I kept talking about it because I was so upset. But then I kept thinking she was going to hear about it because it's like a small fucking, you know, yeah. world, small lesbian world. We yeah. all know everything. Yeah. So it's like so horrible. So I'm like still worried. Like, but we had like a really difficult time because she lives in Melbourne and we had a difficult time even connecting. I only saw her like one time right. the whole week we were together. And it was really hard. And yet we're still, and then we just agreed now, last time I talked to her, okay, we'll resume this in October when she's going to come to LA. So now, <laughs> I was talking about this on stage though, and I thought, I'm going too far with the honesty here. Right, right. And she's going to find out and, 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 you know, kill me. Right. Do you, I have a question. <laughs> Do you feel like, I, I have been, I'm in a, in a relationship that is not like this, but I have been in relationships before <laughs> where people will say things like, yeah, I just can't meet up with you. Or like, you, you, you are like, you know, in, in, like uh, for me, I'll just say, like I have been in relationships where I would have done anything. I would have spent any amount of money. Yeah. I would have oh, yeah. killed people. Oh, I yeah. would have, whatever it took yeah. just to spend time with this person. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, I can't make it work. And like, what is it that allows us to accept that in another person because like if you're the kind of person that will do all of those things like you're definitely Mm. nodding your head you're like yeah yeah totally kill people fly across the world whatever it takes why do we accept people who are like no I have boundaries and I'm busy (laughs) I don't know why I don't know well she her boundaries are self-set because she's a fan right and she's scared right and so that that was something she had put out at the beginning of our relationship yeah, I thought you were just gonna say, she's just a bitch and so she just well you know, whatever. You know there's I'm, that I'm gonna too. go I'm gonna go with you on that <laughs> there's also that yeah right okay. but, but was, fears of I think fears, fears of yeah. really valid I mean I've been in a relationship almost for five years and the first year was extremely tumultuous and I chased her for two years before that mm-hmm. and you know when it really came down to it I kept going back for more because I, tr- I truly trusted that part of me that was telling me that this was just a fear-based boundary and that over time she would get over it and let it go mm-hmm. and I would break her down and wear her down. Yeah. And that she would let me in. Yeah. That's what, just, is that uh, what's happening for you? Yeah, I think so. But she won't even let me let me in. Yeah. She won't even see me to break. And then I'm like, why am I still signing up for this? Yeah. And then also yeah. signed up for October. Yeah, that's you, exciting. You, right, you already signed up for October. Yeah. You know it. Sucka. It's like a workshop. Like I just already you're reserved my place. Shopping. In the <laughs> you, workshop. You paid your put your down payment down. I put my down payment down yeah. and I'm, I'm waiting. It's like it's this. like Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, October is so far. It's so far, but I'm still, I fucking am gonna do it. But there are so many days between then and now. But you're allowed to see other people, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Of well, yeah, of course. Whatever. But I mean, you know, of course she really matters and that's the stupid thing. Totally. Yeah. But time let's if if October's October, then you work towards October, yeah, I guess. Interesting. It's so it's fascinating. Stupid. But don't you ever think about Romeo and Juliet and how they just met in like one day and they killed themselves over each other? Like Isn't that great? I know, and I'm just like, bitch, you can't see me before October? I know. It's a long time. <laughs> 
But maybe we'll kill each other then. <laughs> maybe then we'll die. That would be nice. Oh my god. I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things. I think it's like when you're a touring rock star, this is what you have to go through. Yeah. yeah. Is those pauses yeah. in your life you have to take. Um, oh my god, I feel like my last relationship was so long and only because if I'd just been at home I would have broken up with her. But it's just like, oh god, just like I would get to a point where I wanted to break up with her and it was time to go and I was kinda like sad and codependent and be like, Oh, next time, you know, go away for three months. <laughs> it's like our five year relationship probably would have been about three months long, but it just was never there. I didn't have time to break up. No, we just we just are always traveling. I mean yeah. we're here on the other side of the world. Yeah. It's you know inconvenient. Just yeah. it's inconvenient, but you know, we we have to rock. Yeah. Well, true. We, I, I, I want to see your show again. Yeah. <laughs> everybody should see, everybody's going to come see you. You're going to be on tour and for this, you know, this record is so unbelievably great. I mean, yeah. so all your music is great. Thank you. But Thank this you. record I love so much. It's so exciting. Thank you. It's, it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good year. We're touring all the way until 2014. So lots of opportunity awesome. for people to come see us. Yeah. yeah. They should come everywhere. And where can they tweet you? We're at Tegan and Sarah. And Instagram. And we're on Instagram, Tegan and Sarah. And we're on Tumblr, Tegan and Sarah, and Facebook, Tegan and Sarah, and then we have TeganandSarah.com. And, like, you know, you guys are playing everywhere. It's like I'm seeing you on TV all the time, yeah. which is so exciting. We're really whoring ourselves out on this record. It's oh, great. Richard, you know what? It's great. It's awesome. Thank you. It's yeah. so awesome. I wish, I mean, we've been saying this, this is like our thing, but, like, I wish I'd known of a band like us when I was, like, 15 years old. So the more lives. more mainstream things that we can do, the better, because it's just bringing, yeah. it's, like, just getting us out to those people that would never have heard of us. Like, and it's you so know? great for women in rock. It's yeah. so great for women. It's so great for young women. It's so great for queer women. It's so yeah. great for everyone. Everyone. Yeah, thank you. You know, and I, I love this record. It, it is so unbelievable. Thank you so much, Tegan and Sarah. Thank you thank very you much so to much. both of you. you. Enjoy the so rest of your much. travels. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for, for talking to us on Monsters of Talk. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>